NBA Finals are among us, Josh. Sun crazy. Bucks. Who you got? I want Sun to go. Nothing against the Bucks. Just uh, I don't know. I like Devin Booker. I want CP3 to get his. I think his due. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Although I mean, I'm neutral. I don't care whoever gets it, but I kind of I'm in the same mindset as you are. And to be co completely transparent, I think the Suns have a lesser chance to coming back next year or repeating than the Bucks do. And the Bucks, the, the Bucks will have the Nets in their way. Maybe if the Falcons, Falcons, ha, wrong Atlanta team, Hawks. Yeah, bro. The Hawks get better. Yeah, if the Hawks get better, then, then maybe. But <clears throat> excuse me, we'll see. Um, are you gonna watch? Yeah, for sure. It starts tomorrow, doesn't it? Starts tomorrow. Starts tomorrow. And, and uh, then tomorrow, just a duly noted semifinals in the Euro Cup. That's going to be interesting, too. Who is it? Oh, it is Spain. And yeah, I wasn't prepared for this. I'll, I'll check it out right now. But um, <laughs> Director's Cut. Director's Cut, which director's there was cut. no Director's Cut last week. So I think we're going to Director's Cut the cut, good. Of the cut. We're going we're gonna to Director's Cut the Cut. But so how are you doing, Yanko? How is uh, Chuko treating you? Been good, man. So I am in El Paso, technically Clint right now. Parents live in Clint. Uh, got here Thursday, a little earlier than anticipated. That was kind of like a last minute cool. deal. Uh, but we are doing good. I've been able to spend this whole weekend with family that I haven't seen, family that uh, were... I guess not drifted away, but because of the pandemic, we hadn't seen yeah. uh, in a while. So it was great to spend time with cousins, aunts, uncles, uh, good food, good memories, good music. Uh, Except you have not seen your favorite cousin, which I'm pretty offended about, but you know, something's on the work. The best for last. The best for last. Coupled with food, man, I can't, <laughs> I can't emphasize how much food we had. But it's so good. And that's something I miss a ton about El Paso. El yeah. Paso food is you, really good, you, you right? take it for granted. Yeah, you take yeah. it for granted. And we had everything from home-cooked meals to uh, some local spots that we hit up, uh, even when we lived here, that are still here. And just overall greatness. Uh, and shout out to, um, that's what kind of, just to make reference, but shout out to uh, both of my brother-in-laws, actually. Uh, Freddie won. Uh, that's one of the things he misses. Uh, a lot. He's mentioned it before. And my other brother-in-law in, in uh, Chi-Town, uh, Chicken, uh, he also, every time <laughs> every time they come to El Paso, man, they always, <laughs> they pick out like nobody's business, but because they don't have that over there. And same here. The, whatever whatever they think that it is, it's not the same. It, no. It's not the same. No. So, there, is, there, there is actually, we found a place, a friend of ours sent us a link to a video of a guy who made a TikTok in Arlington of mm -hmm. a place called Chinos Tacos instead of Chico's mm -hmm. Tacos. Mm -hmm. It's not the same by far, but it's enough for you to get that little bit of a placebo. Satisfy that craving. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And I'm not a big Chico's fan, but it we went stopped by and it's been great. Uh, and nice. we came for cheap dentistry. Something. What is? Yeah. Nice. 
Nice. Take care well, of that. I'm glad you you uh, hit up some families, some peeps due to the pandemic. I'm sure it's been hard. I haven't seen some peeps, but I'm glad you were able to touch base with with everyone. But I mean, we're here for a pod, right? And we're trying to get it rolling. We're trying to uh, create a we're creating consistency, momentum, momentum as we head towards uh, to football season, which is very near and dear to us. And I think a lot of a lot of peeps. Uh, I don't know if they got back to you, Yenko. Um, Charlie was going to try to make it today. He couldn't. So we'll see if next week he'll he'll be able to jump. Uh, but a lot of people actually were pretty pleased that we uh, that, that yes. we got back into the the airways of the pod world, into the groove of things, most certainly. And uh, to be quite honest, the feedback that we got, I thought was going to be more towards NFL football of what's going mm -hmm. on because there are minor things. The week got hit up was more fantasy football, and we're yeah. I am more pumped than ever to talk about it. Last week I was a little hesitant. And I That's still am. The spirit, I still am. However, I will unleash a little bit more, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to blossom slowly to Open kind of your just... doors, Yanko. Open oh. your doors of Pandora into your not your secrets, but your knowledge. How about that? Yeah, I'm sure you have a couple of aces up your sleeve, but uh, just how Yanko sees fantasy football what Yanko considers valuable and that adds perspective to a lot of people. And uh, a lot of people have been asking about fantasy. Uh, we did mention that we we're going to talk about fantasy football. So here we yeah, are. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Let's talk fantasy football and let's talk about, and I want to start and kind of just show where we've started. I think the listeners deserve to know our credentials, right? You're not jumping on just to listen to two random guys talk about fantasy football. You're jumping on because to a degree, you are willing to listen to any slight of expertise that we may have. And expertise, there isn't a school of hard knocks for fantasy football. You might find something, but it comes with experience. That being said, I've been playing fantasy football since about 2006, give or take. I knew it in its uh, origins with Yahoo Fantasy fo Football. I know CBS was even prior to that. And there were some leagues uh, that I had gotten invited to, but honestly, I wasn't uh, playing fantasy football through high school. After high school, 2006, 2007 uh, is when I first started playing. And the game has changed significantly since, right? Oh, Not yeah. only because of how the game is played on the actual gridiron, but how you play fantasy football. So when did you start playing fantasy football, Adrian? Actually, it was, uh, it was because of you. Um, I was always a fan of the sport of football. I love football. Uh, I always have. I think we already talked about that. But uh, I think one time you just kind of hit me up and you told me, hey, um, you should try this thing called fantasy football. And I was like, what? So you kind of explained to me a, a little bit. You were doing it with some guys from work. Yep. Uh, they were looking for a couple of people um, and you invited. And ever since, ever since I, I've been I've been rolling. Um, so everybody gets it. I think that's a, that's the interesting part about fantasy football. But yeah, you and I, you started before, I think a year prior I think a to year. It's, it's only a year. So you and I have been yeah. playing fantasy football together. Maybe not the same right. league that we started in, but together right. in the same leagues. And we all have Correct. our, you and I have our both in respective individual leagues. Like I, right. I'm in a league at work. You're with right. uh, Chuko Boys, uh, still pending Chuko, application. Hey, the uh, commissioner got back to me. He was pretty pumped. Uh, so he might... Uh, <laughs> 
you we'll might see. be able we'll to see. meet and greet him this week. But uh, we'll but yeah, see. so I, I think fantasy football is so interesting because everybody has a take. Everybody has a, a certain strategy. Yeah. Everybody has a certain perspective, a certain ranking. Uh, I'm sure if Charlie would be here, he would have the same thing too. Everybody's perspective is different. But I think once you kind of gather everything around I, I, and you give it your own take, um, uh, you know, that, I think that's how it, how it works. And it, the fantasy football leagues that we've been in and or in itself, fantasy football has been directly affected by the style of play that has mm -hmm. gone on on the actual gridiron, on the actual football right. field. So let me give right. it a, a little bit of perspective on that. 2007, 2008, I was always quarterback heavy first round. Why? Because those were your guys. And there was still a little bit of a division in, to our listeners. I don't remember if it was PPR or standard, but I, I always knew that first rounds, you were going for the sought after quarterback. It was kind of a given. A quarterback was, was first round, second round, at least. Now, not so much. But why is that? Because the game has changed a ton. You had running backs that were solid running backs, but you didn't have the Christian McCaffrey's, the Alvin Kamara's, kind of the, the running backs that now are better at catching from the backfield, wheel routes, a little bit more of a hybrid receiver, because catching for a running back back then wasn't really sought after. I mean, do you agree with that premise about running backs not being necessarily utilized the way that they are today? that would dictate the differences in fantasy drafting. That's, that's sort of interesting that you bring that point because yeah, I agree with you that everything has kind of changed um, even in the NFL level. Right. Uh, which is, which, which is interesting, right? Because in the NFL, at, at least in my perspective, in the real NFL, in the national football league, it seems that running back, I'm not saying that it's a dying breed, but it's not what it was before. Uh, there, it's it's a lot more pass friendly, right? Absolutely. Before it was a, like heavy, perhaps there were still passes, right? But uh, it seemed that there was more of a workhorse mentality in your running back. So it's interesting now because a lot of I don't see I don't I'm not how can I say it's not that what I'm saying it's just what these projections are and we're gonna go more into detail about these but it seems that a lot of projections uh, a lot of leagues value running backs a lot and yep. everything else gets just kind of flustered away when before and and if you kind of think about it now in the nfl it's more of a passing offense than running the football but yet in fantasy football it's the it's opposite different. right yeah running backs are, are are more um they're they're more wanted they're more needed than that of, a, and it's true. I remember in those, in those days, right. You would always want to draft a quarterback and you would want to get yourself into a, a you know, Adrian Peterson because he was a workhorse. So he was the, the then Derek Henry in, in the, in the latter years, yeah. right. Uh, Adrian Peterson, Arian Foster, CJ2K, uh, you know, all these, all these crazy uh, running backs, but it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's sort of, you know, you, you got to adapt with a trend, right? And you got to modify it and, and give it your take. Uh, tight end was a dying breed. Uh, tight end wasn't, it was like, yeah, you know, he'll give you eight to 10 points. There was a couple of tight ends that were, you know, monsters or beasts, but not what it was or what it is perhaps right now, right? And, and so, going along with the, with the tight end narrative, if you were to look at tight ends, I don't think they're still as prevalent as I think they should be. I think they're growing. Mm -hmm. And something that we talked about last week was tight end you where right. the tight end position has revolutionized itself. So let me put two right. positions 
to run parallel and how they've been affected, but the different results that have gone through tight end and fullback. So fullbacks, if we go back to the early drafting days of 2008, 2007, and kind of back there, fullbacks were more prevalent in the league because they existed. Mike Allstott, biggest guy, I think the most famous fullback that I can think of uh, that did it. And then what was the name of the Browns guy that started as a fullback, but was a running back? He even made the Madden cover one year. Peyton um, Hillis. Yes. And these were big dudes that could run, but were pounders. I mean, you had offensives scheming around the fact that there was a lead blocker, and then you had uh, the running back that would run through. Now, follow me here along with that narrative. As we progress towards what we are today, two teams, maybe three in the NFL carry a fullback now, when back then there was a lot more. Tight ends and fullbacks back then were kind of put sometimes in the same class because they were either A, part of the offense to block slash chip, go out for a route, or B, they were a part of a wrinkle and a more uh, complicated offense as a distraction. You never really had a fullback kind of skyrocket, except with yeah. the few exceptions. Now, yeah, end, yeah, yeah, and tight end, you you're starting to see a different breed because tight ends were known as big guys that could block. And, and how many tight ends did we not see in the NFL that were on a 53 man roster because they could block? Right. They were block first, catch second, not catch first, right. block second. And as we've right. grown to now, the running backs are, are different, although ironically, they used to get paid more back then than they do now, but they're more right. relevant in fantasy. And tight ends yeah. are starting to become uh, more prevalent. And I tru- truly think that the tight end position is going to grow and continue to grow. And I think it all started with the Patriots and their success at tight end. Yeah, it's become instantly, it's become instantly a way more relevant position, although um, maybe we'll touch on this, but uh, Greg Olson, uh, which he's retired already, he had a great career. uh, He was saying that, you know, tight end position is completely uh, underpaid, right? Because they do the dirty work, they have to block. Now, why do I say that? Because before you said it, Yanko, it was all about blocking. It wasn't much... um, catchability. If you, if you didn't have yourself an Antonio Gates or a Tony Gonzalez, uh, that kind of player, uh, you pretty much just, you're just blocking. Um, and a lot of these players were ex basketball players that were either power forwards or small forwards. And, and they kind of make the jump over to, to football and football was like a second, you know, career for them. Uh, but just the athleticism. And I think as the years have gone by, you start to see that athleticism, right? Because now tight end really is a hybrid, or at least a really talented tight end is a hybrid between a receiver and obviously a tight end, right? Yeah. Uh, they're too fast and they're too strong. Uh, so you, you try to line they're them taller. up in a, in a position. They're taller. They're more athletic. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting position nonetheless, but uh, again, just kind of going back memory lane, um, just to kind of wrap it up, it, it just kind of goes to show you, right. All the changes, all the changes that, that occur in the NFL. And of course, in fantasy football. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you, Yanko, right now. We're going to, we're going to dive into more rankings. Let's go. I mentioned, I mentioned to it before earlier that, um, last week we mentioned, we made reference out of this page and you guys are welcome to check it out. 
It's called fantasypros.com. And a lot like CBS, like the other websites, right? Each one of them has their own take and their own um, uh, rankings with, with different players. So, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be a good thing for you guys to kind of compare and then make your own conclusions. But for sake of argument, fantasy pros, we'll start with this one. And then today we're going to cover a little bit more about what SI, how SI has our players ranked in a PPR format, the top 200. But let's first start with this, Yanko. Fantasypros.com has rookies, rookies in tiers as well. So a lot of the times, right, rookies are always a diamond on the rough. You don't know what you're going to get. You know, they could blossom. They might not. Uh, Sometimes they're overprojected. Very simple example out of last year. I don't know if you recall Clive Edwards Hilaire. This guy was supposed to be the greatest thing because it made sense, right? That Chiefs offense, and then you plug in a running back, and he had a couple of good weeks, but for the most part, he was a, he was a little flame out, right? He was very inconsistent. Uh, but for sake of argument, ranking uh, rookies, rookies that are going to set foot this year in the NFL. So just out of curiosity, I don't know if you open the page, Inko, uh, but again, similar to what we did last year, they're in different tiers, okay? And, and we're going to focus more on, on two tiers, tier one and tier two, because tier three is a little crazy. There's, there's a lot of – those are maybe diamond on the roughs. Uh, but tier one and tier two. Tier one has four players, right, according to fantasy, fantasypros.com, that, are, that, are, that should be heavily targeted. Um, what are those players, Jinko? So I am looking at the website, and it's McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Barkley. But we're talking about rookies. Rookies. I don't, I don't know if you rookies. Rookies. I don't know if you, you I have sound like a there. rookie right now. You do, Yanko. Uh, you're going to make director's cut right now. <laughs> so let me get my uh, bearing. So I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to do it, but um, just so just so, just so, peace, so listeners can tune in. There's, there's several tiers, just as last week. That's how these guys have them ranked. But tier one, the, the number one rookie, to according to Fantasy Pros, to target is Najee Harris. Number two is Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of Cincinnati. Najee Harris is the running back coming from the University of Alabama, who's now going to suit up for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, number two, Jamar Chase, wide receiver from Cincinnati. Of course, pairing up with Joe Burrow. Uh, they played together, college ball, LSU. And then number three, is it a shocker? No, not at all. So Kyle Pitts is, I'm, I'm surprised he's not ranked higher, especially with yeah. the departure of Julio. Correct, Kyle Pitts. So Kyle Pitts playing tight end position. Of course, we, we've kind of discussed coming out of Florida. And then wrapping up the tier one, Travis Etienne, uh, running back from Clemson, um, is headed to Jacksonville. Now, it's interesting because each of these players have a position rank. So Najee Harris is slated here as RB1. Uh, Jamar Chase is a wide receiver one. And of course, Kyle Pitts is a tight end one. And Travis Etienne is uh, labeled as a running back two. So what are your thoughts regarding this tier one, Yanko, according to fantasy pros of players that are rookies are going to suit up officially this year for the first time in the NFL and for fantasy relevance, what, what do you say? So before I, we go, we continue, I do want to say this. If you don't agree with what we're about to talk about fantasy wise, if your approach is different, what we want to do is not necessarily have you agree with us, 
but to spark in your minds what your fantasy football approach is going to be. If you disagree, you know which path you're taking. And maybe you'll take tidbits from what we say and you take it and make it your own. But we want you to disagree. We don't want you to be this way in regards to accepting our approaches. That being said, these top four, I'm not necessarily surprised with the top three, Harris, Chase, and Pitts. But I am surprised with Etienne as a tier number one. But I'll get to him. Najee Harris, I am not surprised at all. When we did our draft show, Najee Harris was talked about in regards to being an immediate impact with the Steelers because the Steelers, as great as they were the first 11 games, as fact, as a matter of fact, they were perfect the first 11 games. They needed a running back presence, and Snell was one of them, and I forget the other guy's name, and they just didn't produce. Najee Harris at number one, ranked number one, running back number one, makes total sense, and I agree with it. Jamar Chase at wide receiver one, I'm a little more tentative. I would rather move Kyle Pitts into second solely based on the fact that Chase is walking into a wide receiver group that was already good, that was already producing even without A.J. Green. So it was Higgins, T. Higgins, and I forget the other wide receiver. But I believe that they were both fantasy relevant. Now, to to take both of them, and put Jamar Chase at one tells me two things. Either a guy was a pleasant surprise for the Bengals last year, produced, or they're going to go with a different offense. They're going to stick Jamar Chase in there because Joe Burrow has vouched for him. Because Joe Burrow has said, "Let get me this dog so that we can ball out. Basically. Right. I would still put Kyle Pitts number two just because Julio is gone and he's going to be the focus point. Now Ridley is your one, I think. And then Gage kind of slides into number two if they don't pick anyone else up. And Kyle, he might be tight end number one, but I think overall he's offense probably number two or number one. Not just by position, but in offense. Etienne, this is a little bit of a head scratcher for me. He is listed as a running back too. And I think he's up here just solely because of where he was picked, who his quarterback is. He was a first rounder who his quarterback is. He went to college with him at Clemson. And you're going to give your due respect. I don't know what the coach at Jacksonville, Urban, is going to do with the offense. Will he, to, will he run a two-back set? Will he concentrate with Etienne? Because Robinson, who was there, who took over for the departed Ornette, did great. He was one of your last year's fantasy surprises. So it, it's, it's a little bit of a mind boggler there and it's a little bit off now let me ask you this while we're still in this tier josh Mm -hmm. do you draft a running back such as Najee harris hi since we just talked about how running backs are relevant now in today's fantasy football do you draft a rookie hi or are you hesitant because he is a rookie it's uh, like anything else, right? It's boom or bust. But. And when I say if, high, it, I'm going to consider first three rounds. I think if you're going to draft any running back, although I've mentioned it, that I prefer Etienne as a player, 
not not as a fantasy football, not as a as an NFL player, rather than a fantasy football player. But as a Got player, it. I I prefer Etienne. But as fan for fantasy football, I prefer Najee Najee Harris because it's almost like it's instant gratification. It's exactly what Pittsburgh needed to close out a lot of games. And that's when the wheels fell off. We know that they're very talented at receiver. They know how to draft very well at receiver. Uh, Juju was okay. He was a touchdown machine. Chase Claypool, which was a rookie last year, came out of nowhere and he had a very good uh, start of the year. So I think Najee Harris is, is, is the dog there is, is the dude. That's why you drafted him. Uh, when I draft them, at number one in the first round or the second round, I wouldn't. Uh, but then again, it just depends, right? It, it really just depends. Uh, but I think it, it's it's just very hard, man. It's very hard to, to instantly um, have success or production from a rookie level. A lot of players have little glimmer of hope, but some are instant starters like Justin Jefferson. Man, he's a rookie. Out of all the rookies drafted last year, yeah, I mean, I mean, let's just go down the list right away. So, so we obviously have Henry Ruggs went to the Raiders, and we're yep. talking just receivers. Henry Ruggs, Jared Judy went to the Broncos, Jalen Reger went to the Eagles, C.D. Lamb went to the Cowboys, and Justin Jefferson wrapped up five receivers taken, five receivers taken in the first round last year. Now, if I would have told you before. Out of those five, who would you rather have, or who would you target first? What would be your response, Inkle? I probably obviously would have gone, hindsight. I probably would have gone with Judy. Judy, right? Yeah. Judy had success. CD Lamb had success too. You know, so but out of all of them, statistically, the one that had the best season was Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Who knew, right? So I think in, in now this is going to take me to my next point with Jamar Chase. Uh, I don't doubt that the dude is going to ball. They have, they have something uh, of a great chemistry. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase played together in LSU. Uh, so that, that's great. However, it's still a little hesitant, no? Uh, I think Justin Jefferson set the bar way high for a rookie. And a lot of people have that expectation that this year, one of these is going to do the same thing. And it's hard. It, it's hard, you know? I think there, now, there's, there is something to say about all of that, but keep, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. Now, Kyle Pitts, uh, I think expectations for Kyle Pitts are also through the roof. Justifiably so. The guy is an athlete. He's, <laughs> he's insane. We already have talked about it, uh, but I would be very, it would be very scary in this regard because Atlanta now, that, that number one player you had at receiver, which would get banged up a lot, but would open the lanes to the other receivers is gone. And we're talking about Julio Jones. Yep. So now Kelvin Ridley has to be that guy. And what is it's it's almost like a domino effect, right? So if Kelvin Ridley gets bumped up, so then the expectation of the rest of the receiver core has to go up with you. And so does Kyle Pitts. Right. And we don't we don't know. Yes, we got a glimmer at Florida what he was able to do, but it's hard. It's hard to replicate or to ask these rookies, hey, go go break a record. You know, go go for a thousand. Go get me 10, 12 touchdowns. And is it is it easy possible? Is it possible? Yeah, because he's going into a, a good quarterback situation and Matt Ryan. But and now to wrap up, Travis Etienne. I I'm I, I'm with you. I have no idea what to expect from Urban Meyer. I really don't. 
They got Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Um, I don't know if you catch the Bleacher Report on, on regarding Etienne, but they wanted to, um, they were kind of trying him out as a receiver. Okay. Not necessarily because he's going to play the position at receiver, but maybe they want to enhance that uh, catching radius, catchability from him coming out of the backfield. Now, you brought up a great point um, regarding James Robinson. James Robinson came out of nowhere, right? The running back from Jacksonville. Yeah. What does this do for his stock now that he have a TN as well? That's a great point. Do you hesitate on Robinson at a, at a high round pick? If you have him at a keeper, let's say you're doing a keeper league, right? And James Robinson was a nobody drafted James Robinson last year. You picked him up out of waiver wire. He had instant success. If you're in a keeper league, it's good value, but does the value still remain the same, right? So these are all these are all tidbits. These are all great things, right? Just discussing tier one now. Tier two, Yinko. Do you have tier two there with you? And before we go on to tier two, I do. I yes. do want to make a comparison. So the last time that I could remember a running back coming out of a draft, being picked in the first round, and had this much hype going into a running back one position was that again when I remember 2016 when Zeke was picked. For the Cowboys, his rookie his rookie season, and there are different anomalies about you know Dak and what he had and what Najee's going to have. It's a whole different system, veteran quarterback, rookie quarterback, whatever. Just running backs getting hyped. Zeke 2016 season, he had 322 touches for 1600 yards, 15 touchdowns, and then that was just receiving, rushing. I mean, I'm sorry, that's just rushing, receiving. He didn't participate as much, but he still had a total yards that year from scrimmage of 1,994 yards. That's almost a 2,000-yard back his rookie year. That year, fantasy, those numbers, if I were to tell you that this is what Najee's going to get, that propels him, at least in my stock, Number one, number two, in regards to rounds. Check that. Check this out. That's a good point, Inkle. If I were to tell you, okay, Najee Harris would have about two hundred and seventy-five carries, would would uh, surpass a thousand yards. Let's say he would have about a thousand seventy yards, and would have twelve touchdowns. Would you take him? If if that was going to be his rookie season, would you draft him? I am going to talk about the FFF at a 16-team league. Yes, and that, that plays in. That's a factor as well, right? That plays Depending in. On your, because on the you, teams in your league. How many yes. teams are you drafting with? All right? So the FFF is going 16 years. I mean 16 years. Ha, 16 teams. Correct. I'm definitely picking up Najee Harris in a 16 Now, why, why I ask you or why I brought up that point. Back in – you went um, – you, you had, oh, actually, you know what? I had it wrong. Let me go back. It, it's very similar numbers, but about 242 carries, 1,150 yards, and seven touchdowns, and add 166 yards catching. Can you tell me which rookie had that immediate impact at, our, at running back? Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. 
So that's why I tell you, Zeke is an outlier, man. Zeke was just the freak thing. Everything kind of lined. Zeke was crazy. Remember, yeah. they, they had just carried the ball like that with DeMarco Murray, and DeMarco Murray had great success doing that. The only reason why they didn't want to pay him is because they were afraid that, you know, he was going to wear out. So they just let him walk, but they drafted Zeke. And, of course, he was number three overall. So if you were to get this production, such as Josh Jacobs, okay, you know, but again, it all depends how you see it. And And yes, you brought up a good point. There's a lot of factors, right? (laughs) How big is your fantasy league? Uh, That that's, that's a huge, huge factor. There's going to be players in a fantasy players. What I mean, not NFL players, fantasy football teams at their draft. They're going to find themselves conflicted with the running backs that are flirting with tier one position overall not just rookies but overall and the the guys that you're gonna you might hesitate to pull the trigger on right so let's let's right. talk about robinson and jacksonville so you're you're in your second round at the end of 32 you're starting your third let's just say you're starting your third it's a two running back league you need a second running back and the best available is etienne robinson and someone like man uh, i don't know Let's let me try to think of. I was going to try to think of a running back that is isn't a rookie, that's in the league, he's a starter, but isn't as proficient as someone like Alvin Kamara, right? So let's say uh, Chris Carson. Chris Carson, thank you, you saved me. Chris Carson in Seattle. What do you do? What do you do? Do yeah, you go with Chris Carson? Do you go with Etienne? Do you go with Robinson? What do you do? Because the, I the think David it Montgomery just depends on gone. your value, right? The, we go back to the Jacobs same thing. Gone. Uh, and here's a little bit of a nugget for uh, listeners out there in regards to fantasy football. Are you going to take Josh Jacobs higher because now Kenyon Drake is in? Remember, they, they brought him in two years, 11 mil. Josh and I disagreed on it, but that those types of signings definitely have to – sit in your mind a little bit do right. you do you take a flyer at david johnson in houston because right. if if their starting quarterback isn't there if watson isn't there do they become a more run centric team you have flip to it, flip it flip it again Yinko. yeah flip it again and, and this was on my mentality last year and, and and that's when i was wrong the reason why last year i had an opportunity to draft aaron jones i didn't the year before he had a fantastic season entering last year, I was like, no, if they drafted, if the Packers brass drafted in the second round, AJ Dillon from Boston college at running back, my mindset was like, they're, they're breaking away from, from uh, Aaron Jones and they're going to slowly put in uh, AJ Dillon. And although that came true, maybe probably towards the playoffs, Aaron Jones had another terrific year. And he got so, paid. and he got paid. So I figured. So again, you're trying to read the tea leaves, right? You're trying to decipher what the team is doing and what direction they're going, and that's going to be able to perhaps give you perspective on where where you're going to draft your players. And but every, it, it doesn't work out sometimes. Every experienced fantasy football player team will tell you that sometimes you get in your own head. Mm-hmm. You, you are do. your biggest obstacle because if you just go statistics and you go numbers and you're very analytical, you're going to run a certain way. You maybe if you are that person, you stick with Pac-Man Jones, you stick with, with Adam, 
But if you're the, I'm a gut guy. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try to read between the lines. They pick someone else. They drafted. Did AJ you mean Dillon. to say Aaron Jones? Because you said Pac-Man Jones, and Pac-Man Jones Yenko is a completely different story at corner. I'm trying to give you tidbits for director's cut, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. My bad. But when you're when you're going right. when you're going no, down that route, saying. are you gonna go with right. gut? Are you gonna go with analytics? And in that moment, it's, it's a little bit of both, right? You may have your strategy, but when you are on the clock and you see those names flirting within and you look at what everyone else has drafted and what's coming up and positional needs and best available. Sometimes the draft that you predict that you were going to go with is the draft that you never thought you would have done. Right. Interesting. Interesting. So now um, tier two Yenko. Uh, just to kind of wrap this up, and again, these are the more, the according to Fantasy Pros, the more relevant rookie players. Um, we have five through eight. Five is an interesting one. Javante Williams, running back from Denver. He's labeled as an RB3. And then we get another receiver, Devontae Smith from Philadelphia. He's uh, targeted as a, as a wide receiver too. Uh, and then your first quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, uh, Jacksonville. He's mm-hmm. obviously labeled as quarterback one. And we wrap up tier two with another rookie wide receiver, Jalen Waddle. Uh, obviously played at Alabama and now is going to suit up for the Miami Dolphins. And he's labeled as a wide receiver three. Thoughts? Not necessarily go into detail, but what are your thoughts that that kind of jump out of this tier two of players you should target in your fantasy football draft? So I'm going to go with start with Javante Williams. We know that division well, AFC West. The Broncos have gone through a carousel of running backs to this date. Melvin Gordon hasn't been the Melvin Gordon that he was San Diego slash L.A. He's there. Melvin Gordon is there. You have, uh, man, what was the other? I had, I just had it in my head. Royce Philip Freeman. Lindsay. I don't think Philip, Philip Lindsay got banged up. He got banged up. So it was Royce Freeman, and there was another running back that I'll let you know. See what's up. Okay. Here. My point with this running back here, it doesn't surprise me that Javante Williams is up here at tier two. As a running back, not positional player overall, but as a running back, because I don't think the Broncos know that they have a workhorse yet in their corral for the running back position. If Melvin Gordon takes off, and Melvin Gordon's a perfect example of a type of guy that I was trying to think of a couple of minutes ago when you're flirting with Travis Etienne and Robinson, but you have Melvin Gordon and Chris Carson there available. Melvin Gordon is the type of guy that's going to either be a shooting star or a black hole in regards to production because he's injury prone. It almost seems like the type of player that he is merits physicality, merits numbers, merits the running back position. But Javante Williams was drafted for a reason. Javante Williams, and I think Philip Lindsay is now with the Texans, but that just popped in my head. Javante Williams could easily be a sleeper, could easily be last year's Robinson. And I think he could right. probably pick up midseason. Maybe it's a guy that you fill in as a roster spot that 
you dropped and it's he's available and you take a flyer on one of those no risk no high reward Devonta Smith high draft guy played with Jalen in Alabama Devonta Smith I think can be productive his size concerns me a little bit but Devonta Smith I think merits to be up there I think they'll, they'll scheme around it they need help at the wide receiver position and that's where Rigor is at right and so Rigor would Jaylen be Rieger. Rieger, and that's that's who your number one is. It, it almost seems like they they drafted the same position. They drafted the same position, obviously, but the same prototypical player twice. Yeah, I agree. Last year they went with Rager. They they wanted to replace uh, Deshaun Jackson, right? Yeah. Uh, not, I mean, Deshaun Jackson did play, but I'm saying they, they wanted to get that right. Somebody to take the top out of the yeah. of the defense. And he, yeah. And then now this year, of course, Devontae is a lot more polished than Jalen, according to the experts. Great route runner, uh, great speed, uh, has a really small frame, but he's an athlete. And he was, of course, uh, the Heisman Trophy winner. So, again, it, it just kind of goes to show you. Now, well, I'll, I'll let you wrap up. Um, Look, I'm all, about the Trevor. Say that. I'm all about the Trevor. I'm all about the Trevor. I've preached it since we started the podcast. I think he's up here for two reasons. One, he's a first-round pick overall, number one. And so he gets that share of fandom slash productivity expectancy. Mm-hmm. And two, everywhere that Urban's gone, he's had a successful quarterback. The staple of his offense has always been a quarterback at Ohio State, at Florida, that's where I remember he's been. Uh, he's had successful Utah run it. Ironically, Utah. he had Alex Smith at Utah. Yes. He's very quarterback driven. Mm-hmm. I think for rookie quarterbacks, relevance and fantasy wise, this guy deserves to be here. We'll see if he's, if he turns into be a Justin Herbert type fantasy season that Justin had last year. Or if he cruises in to the league, being safe with Etienne and Robinson at the side. But overall, I, I'm not surprised that he's here. I like that he's here as a tier two. I don't think he's a tier one just because of the other unknowns. Jalen mm-hmm. Waddle, you know, this is a guy that played with Tua. He's, he's the Alabama guy, I think. Yeah, he is. he's the Alabama guy. I don't expect a lot from him. As a matter of fact, I don't, I, I'm hesitant with the Miami Dolphins in itself, not as a team, but the offensive productivity for one sole player. That would be Jalen. Quarterback. He's probably a, a guy that I fill in based on what he does during the year. When I have one of my starting receivers as a bye week on their bye week, I pick him up, plug him in, and roll the dice for that week. That's the right. that's the type of player I think Jalen Waddle is. It's interesting, man. It's it's really interesting. Um, I agree with all the points that you mentioned. Um, fantasy football is is a lot about uh, obviously knowledge, but there's a, some luck involved, right? Um, but of course, you always have to go with that mentality of being confident in what you're going to do. And I always tell people this. Uh, it sounds a, a little wishy washy, but uh, a lot of the times you get so hung up with let's say what uh, draft grade uh, people give you. 
Yep. Uh, I had an F last year and I don't want to throw it again in, into nobody's face, but I had an F last year in Chuco and I made semifinals. How does that happen? If I were to go with just what the experts say, then so, so there's a lot of gut and instinct involved, right? And obviously yeah, sure. the more that you played this, this, uh, this game, the better it is, but yeah, uh, a lot of hit or miss and, and interesting what you say about Melvin Gordon. Um, he had a, he had a very consistent uh, year. I think what, what has fallen off in Denver and perhaps this was due to quarterback play is Melvin Gordon was always a dual threat player. He catched a lot out of the backfield and he obviously ran a lot of the backfield, but for rushing purpose, he had a he had a, an average, uh, actually, not an average year, but a, a standard year of what he of his production, of what he did with the Chargers, because he had 986 uh, yards rushing and nine touchdowns. But here's where the kicker is: catching, he only caught 158 yards. When every time in San Diego or LA, uh, 419, 476, 490. So that's what's throwing off. So maybe elevated quarterback play maybe. can perhaps help Melvin Gordon's stock. But again, those are just rookies, guys. Um, that was just for you guys to kind of get the juices flowing. There's still a lot more rookies. There's always going to be a rookie that nobody saw coming. No expert. It's just going to, you know, just going to overachieve. Um, but that is that. So those are rookies, Yanko. Now, as we mentioned, um, we mentioned last year, we made a lot of reference to fantasy pros and their rankings. And, and if you recall correctly, it, it was, uh, most of, of the first round per se. And again, it all depends on how many teams you have in your league, but you can say that the first round was heavily loaded in representation with running back, right? Um, the first player that was taken was as was at right receiver was Tyree kill. So now we're going to make reference of another page. Uh, just to add more, a, a different perspective. And this is, if you guys want to check it out, this of course is an SI, SI.com, Sports Illustrated, and they have top 200 PPR ranking. Um, interestingly enough, Yanko, if we go from one to 10, what jumps at you? So looking at this list, uh, position-wise, one through nine is all running back with one, with one wide receiver at 10. That, right. although your shocker was sarcastic, definitely shocker. <laughs> right. uh, at, I'm a little surprised that Saquon is up here, not because of the player he is, but this is, uh, we're going to go into the, the thoughts of Yanko when drafting. Right. I'm real hesitant with guys coming back from an injury. Overall, I'm not sure I would waste my first round overall pick on Saquon. Looking at this list, there's probably some shuffling I would do that would move Saquon out of the top 10. But there's definitely other guys on this list that obviously would be taken prior to Saquon. McCaffrey, Cook, Elliott, Kamara, Henry are very deserving number top five. And that's what this page is listing them at. I just, I think Chubb surpasses Barkley. I think Jones surpasses Barkley. I even think Taylor surpasses Barkley. Heck, I even, now, hot take, <laughs> alert. There you go. 
hot take alert. I even think Najee surpasses Barkley. Well, that's interesting. Now, again, obviously the viewers don't have this page open as they listen, but just to, to add that element of what Yinko said, uh, number one, overall Christian McCaffrey uh, from Carolina Panthers running back. Uh, number two, Delvin Cook, uh, Minnesota Vikings running back. Number three, this was a shock. This, this to me, Yinko, this is what stood out from this list, apart from what you just said. Number Fair three, me. SI has Ezekiel Elliott ranked as a third player taken. Uh, from the Dallas Cowboys. Number four, Alvin Kamara, running back from the New Orleans Saints. Number five, King Henry, running back out of Tennessee. Number six, you mentioned it, Saquon Barkley, running back out of the Giants. Number seven, Nick Chubb, running back out of the Browns. Number eight, Aaron Jones, running back out of the Packers. And number nine, Jonathan Taylor, running back out of the Colts. And we wrap up top 10 with a first non-running back player, which is Devontae Adams out of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, let me just throw an asterisk on Devontae Adams, all right? Nothing to do with fantasy. But if that boy don't get signed this year, he going to Las Vegas next year. Ooh, wouldn't that be sweet? That would be so, amazing. So, okay, now you mentioned right now we talked about rookies. This is the first rookie taken out of the uh, – drafted in, in a fantasy in a fantasy uh, a draft. And, and this is, you can say projection. This is, uh, you can say round two, again, depending on how many teams you have, but these are, these are in chunks of tens. So now comes round two. And then now we start to see still heavily loaded at running back and a couple of receivers, but the first rookie is taken out of the board. And where does SI have Najee Harris ranking? 14th overall. 14th overall. Yep. Wow. And now to, to, to kind of illustrate here, another point, the first tight end taken, the first tight end taken out of, according to SI, uh, is Travis Kelsey. At 12. Uh, at number 12. Yeah. So you can potentially have Travis Kelsey taken in the first round, uh, the first non-wide receiver, non-running back player. Um, and then it, it just kind of goes from there. So just that perspective, they have – 11, Tyreek Hill, wide receiver KC, Travis Kelsey, Stefan Diggs from Buffalo at 13, 14, Najee Harris, 15, DK Metcalf, 16, Austin Eckler from the Chargers, 17, Cam Akers, 18, Joe Mixon, 19, DeAndre Hopkins, and 20, Calvin Ridley. So Not what are some right. of the things that stood out for you right there? Yanko, so something, out of I like this webpage because it also gives us not only where they're ranked according to them, how old they are. But they're free agency. So here's right. one of Yanko's secrets. This is the only <laughs> one I'm letting go of today. One of Yanko's secrets. Nick Chubb at number seven is very, very interesting to me. As well as... Uh, nope, nope, that's it. That's it. Devontae Nick, Adams, too. I think I know where you're going yes, with this. Yes, thank you. Devontae Adams at number 10. Guys who want to get paid, ball out their contract year. Nick Chubb mm -hmm. and Devontae Adams are both free agents in 2022. Correct. These are wrinkles to fantasy football, informationally, that you need to consider when you're drafting. Because someone like Zeke Elliott, who is surprisingly at number three, who got paid now two years ago or a little more, Historically, running back position especially, when they get paid, 
they digress statistically. Correct. Zeke balled out two years ago. Chubb. Contract year. Contract year. You're talking about guys who are aiming for contract year or already have that contract year. So an example, Aaron Jones just got paid. Does that make and you he's hesitate? ranked at eighth? And he's ranked at eighth. Does that make you hesitate a little that he just got paid? Because historically, if you're that analytical guy that we mentioned before, means that he's gonna maybe take a dip. Yeah. Now they didn't give him a huge contract. He didn't get a Zeke contract because Aaron Jones is now a free agent in 2024. Zeke is still in Dallas to, through 27. Craziness. Craziness. Insane, these man. are these are things that come through Yanko's head when drafting and fantasy football. Now, 11 through 20, I'm, I'm going to be pretty neutral with this list, with the exception of uh, Najee Harris being not top 10. And I, I would switch him with Saquon to be completely wow. transparent. So you're, you're not a... Um... I'm not honestly not a believer, but you're hesitant because of the huge ACL injury that he's coming out of, especially that running back position. He's coming out of injury, and he's not a free agent until 2023, which would tell me that his ball out year will be 2022. Or the fact that there's such a huge need in Pittsburgh at running back with a veteran quarterback that is pretty much out the one foot out the door. You, you envision and try to predict as best you can. And these are all details, at least in my head. Some of the, the top 20, Joe Mixon, interesting. Interesting. Austin Eckler, interesting. Very much so. Cam Akers, yeah. the guy that you had last year, interesting. You know. Now, you, you brought a, another point, and, and we, we kind of start digesting this in our heads as we go. Austin Eckler's, uh, you could say, uh, not production, but his uh, uh, rankings skyrocketed last year. Yeah. Because a year before, not a lot of people drafted him because Melvin Gordon was on his way out to, to San Diego or LA, the Chargers. So Austin Eckler picked up the slack when Melvin Gordon uh, departed, and he was a fantasy monster. He was huge. So last year, he was ranked really high and he took a big dump on everybody most yep. of the time because probably he was banged up. Uh, but it just kind of goes to show you, uh, yes, we base our predictions out of what we saw the year before, or maybe the consistency of the player, but that even sometimes doesn't map out either. Right. In the case yep. of Austin Eckler right now, there could be some Austin Ecklers in the first round or in the second round for that matter. Yep. Over projections of players that are slated to quote unquote have an amazing year and they just never lived up to the billing. So yeah, that's fantasy football, right? Another guy that fits the bill of what you're talking about, Antonio Gibson in Washington. A guy that he had a go, monster year last year. Yeah. Does he re, does he produce at that level? Again, another guy that fits that bill, Clyde Edwards Alaire. Over again, I was guilty of it last year. It was a rookie. We were all enamored with that Casey offense and what we thought this was going to happen. But again, we it projections. So now another interesting. Oh, oh go ahead, Yanko. No, no, no. Go. I think I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. So go with your thought. 
but we're not we're we're not gonna enter the third round, according to SI. Now again, maybe SI I, has maybe slated. The same yeah, so SI has slated 10, 10 players right going on each round, and again, it could be different depending on the size of your fantasy of your fantasy league. So now we're entering third round, and a couple of things that kind of jump at me, Yinko, is now we see the second tight end taken. Uh, two things actually. We see the second tight end taken, which is our boy, Darren Waller, Waller. from the Raiders. And check this out, Yinko. This is interesting. Michael Thomas at 24. When again, last year, Michael Thomas was in the first round. And a lot of people were even hesitant in taking Michael Thomas instead of uh, one of those running backs that was not named uh, Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley. That's what jumps at me. And you mentioned the point. Allen Robinson is here. He has a very consistent year. Uh, he's looking for a big payday. He's slated to be. He signed his franchise tag, if I'm not mistaken. He's slated to be a, a free agent. The, the Yanko uh, tidbit that you gave at from 2022. Think about yes. it. Yes. So, and again, we, we see a bunch of combination of running backs and receivers. We start to see a little bit more in receivers here. Uh, but what are some of the things that stood out at you at this Third round juncture, according to SI.com, Yanko. So here, Darren Waller, Baller, being Tucker. being up here. Uh, Michael Thomas, I think, is a consequence of a lack of quarterback decision in New Orleans. And DeAndre Swift, who I think was good towards the end of this fantasy football season, but not a guy that hit a lot of draft boards at the beginning. One of those sleeper guys. I feel safe with DeAndre at that position only if he continues, right? Something of note is that we've talked about two tight ends so far in the first three rounds, and we have yet to see Kittle. Here comes Kittle. So Kittle isn't far behind. So let let me jump into this next round to get to the point I was going to get. So this next round at four, and I think we'll start kind of coming to a a rollabout conclusion with fantasy for this week with this topic because it it really ties in with our fantasy football introduction and how times have changed we are now through a couple of rounds and we have yet to mention a quarterback quarterback the first one being drafted overall at 38 patrick mahomes now patrick mahomes can be Famine or feast. I will say that out of experience because I drafted Patrick Mahomes high last year. I think I did it either three or four. And I took some, I took some slack for it. I really did. I've mentioned it on the podcast. I'll mention it today. I think there's elite level players that you have to take if they're available. Overall, Patrick Mahomes was up there and I took him being that I thought he was going to put up the insane numbers he did last year. Everything lined up to be take those numbers and put them in my fantasy points row of, of a con- accumulation to beat the guy I was playing that week. It didn't happen. As a matter of fact, with a very big rarity, I had at the end of draft night both Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, which... Probably will never happen again 
with those two types of caliber players, but it goes to illustrate, A, how far down the quarterback position has been devalued in fantasy, and B, that you can pick up two elite-level quarterbacks for who they are in the same draft class, fantasy-wise. But Patrick Mahomes at 38 isn't necessarily a shocker for overall fantasy football perspective, but to me, a sign of the times of change where the quarterback position is because not only has the game changed at the actual NFL field, but all of these other players that are above Patrick Mahomes in this case are going to benefit out of the quarterback. So let's, let's just think about this tight ends. If Darren Waller doesn't have a stable quarterback, if Darren Waller has the New York Jets quarterback, has the Washington football team quarterback, has a team that can't deliver the ball or quarterback that can't deliver the ball, he's not up here. There are a lot of dependencies of guys in these top positions that depend on other quarterback. Calvin Ridley, one of those guys. DeAndre Hopkins, one of those guys. You're talking about teams that have wide receivers that are ranked high within the fantasy rankings, but are dependent on their quarterback to the degree that if their quarterback gets injured, their numbers suffer. Perfect example, any catching position for the Packers. If Aaron doesn't play this year or Aaron goes out, I don't see any Packers up here other than Devontae. And that's a crazy that they have Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams at number like the first round. But it, so how it, much stock, exactly. how much stock is taken for A-Rod being there? Exactly. So remove some of the stock if your starting quarterback has a year-ending injury. And that's probably right. another reason why the running back position has elevated so much into these realms because the quarterback position you have your elite level quarterbacks, your top tier, your semi-level, and then your your kind of like wishy-washy middle of the game quarterbacks. If if I told you that you had Jared Goff throwing to Darren Waller, you're not drafting Darren Waller at 27 or all. Heck, you're yeah, not drafting you're not drafting Kelsey that high because it's it's Jared. It's yeah. Jared. So surprisingly, quarterbacks. I've, I've fallen, at least in my eyes, because I've seen the change of times. But there are some names here. I'll throw out one more: Amari, Amari Cooper at 33. I don't think he's. I don't think he's that high of a, a wide receiver. I really don't. I would actually take C.D. Lamb over Amari, which is at 37. Amari, Amari Cooper was was weird, man. He had a he had a really good season. I had him last year. He had great production. There was games that he would disappear. Typical, right? We we know that Amari. Um, but sometimes it's boom or bust with him. And it sounds very logical, the explanation that I'm giving, but really with Amari, it is boom or bust. It is. Um, it is. But just to, just to wrap up, Yenko, um, in this um, this uh, topic that we're going to start to talk about more and more and more, you know, as the weeks roll by, as you start getting ready for your draft, um, you mentioned it about quarterback. Uh, and the next quarterback, Yenko, after Patrick Mahomes, according to SI, Taken, it doesn't appear till 53, which is Josh Allen. And soon after is 56, Lamar Jackson. Yep. Um, another Austin Eckler-like player is uh, Miles Sanders, 
last year or the year before he wrapped up the season tremendously. And last year he just couldn't catch a break. Uh, so again, just to kind of illustrate projections, projections, and just uh, in, in regards, make reference with what we talked about in regards to rookies. Uh, the first rookie wide receiver, according to SI, is taken at 45th, which is Jamar Chase. Yep. So again, um, we're going to be talking more about fantasy. That was uh, part of what we wanted to talk about, what we wanted to discuss we hope you kind of enjoyed it. Um, you got Yanko's take, you got um, my take, and we're certainly going to be diving into more. Um, but now, Yanko, I don't know if you have prepared yourself for yet another yeet. Do you have a yeet for us? Yeah, I can definitely, um, I can definitely go at it. So I will take Yanko's yeet for the next couple of seconds here. And this this week's Yanko's yeet is a little bit more chuko oriented. Uh, being in the 915 this week has definitely brought uh, some memories back, has definitely brought uh, some mental historic visitations, right? We talked about uh, the fantasy football leagues that Adrian and I started in a couple more than 10, almost close to 15 years ago, uh, playing in fantasy football. And this week's Yanko's Heat is geared, is geared towards the teams that flake out. What does that mean? It's hard enough for fantasy football teams to have consistency. You're going to have your guys that stick with it no matter what. If you're last or first, they're going to be there. I'm going at the guys that come in, have a one shot, and if they aren't successful, they're out. Fantasy football is about camaraderie. Fantasy football is about experience. Fantasy football is about fun. You need to be consistent. You cannot expect to be top three, top guy in your fantasy league consistently. If you get the one and done, if you are the Philadelphia Eagles of your fantasy football team winning with Nick Foles and and you took it, great. Good for you. Come back and play. Let's, Let's play again because you've got some guys chomping at the bit. I know at the FFF, you've got some guys chomping at the bit gunning for both Josh and I, and I love it. Competitiveness, consistency, and culture in fantasy football is key for fantasy football leagues. So if you're listening to this and you're one of the continued tenured teams at your fantasy football league, stay, play, go through it, because there's nothing like an offseason where having to reshuffle or you're scouting other guys or you're trying to put in players to play and participate. And admittedly so, I've been a part of leagues where you get the guy that, you know, throw him a bone and we just need a body to fill the even number. We're at 11, but we need 12. We're at 15, but we need 16. Be consistent, be a player, be there, and come play fantasy football if you are worthy with the FFF. Nice. I like that, Yanko. And uh, true, in the man. words of Charlie, in the words of Charlie, I like it. I like it very much. I like it. I'm gonna uh, agree with everything you're saying. I like it. <laughs> we missed that. Uh we missed that. I was gonna say I, I mean this with with good sincerity, Charlie. We we miss that lovely moron. So we'll we'll see if he, he's good to go next week and, and bring us his take. So 
that was another edition of the Yinko Eat. So we've been um, talking, we've been talking mm-hmm. uh, fantasy football. We've been talking uh, at least for a good solid hour already and where we're at with that. We talked about rookies, but prior to them being rookies, they are in collegiate rankings. They're, they are there. So you wanted to talk about, Josh, a subject that involved college that it, players. And we, you and I, have been a witness either together, literally watching the game of greatness for a particular collegiate football player, or maybe you've witnessed someone that stands out to you that was so great in college football that he's memorable, that maybe you played NCAA football on your game console and you used him. Who was that guy for you, Josh? Well, for me, there's a lot of players. There really is. Uh, I'm a fan of college football. I don't watch it avidly. Um, I, I would always watch national championship. I would try to go to a UTEP game. Uh, but to make long story short, the player that I was like, wow, and I witnessed it and they were consistently in TV was Reggie Bush running back out of uh, USC. Uh, so just to kind of give some people context, and it wasn't because he uh, he's in the he's in the news right now because he wants his his uh, Heisman Trophy back because they they took it and because again not to get all crazy here, um, but there was some laws some laws changed for college athletes, right? So before college athletes were not allowed uh, to make any any sort of money, right? Using their name, right? Um, so because they would then they would void or cancel uh, their, their scholarship. So there was a lot of outcry regarding that. Right. So athletes couldn't like sign memorabilia and sell it to you. Um, athletes couldn't do none of that. And, and that is, seems to be going away. So Reggie Bush apparently did some of that and that's why they took out or they removed him, uh, from the record books, but more specifically, they removed his Heisman trophy, which again, if you're a college student or a college athlete in, in, in football, at least, that is the, the, the highest honor that you can get as a college athlete playing uh, football, right? The Heisman Trophy. And he got that in, um, back in 2005. He won, he won that trophy. So just to kind of I'll, – I'll, I'll, I'll wait to dive in, but I'm just going to mention a few things. Career year that Reggie Bush had was in 2005, and he just went berserk, man. So that year he had uh, 200 carries – and he got 1,740 yards Whoa. with 16 touchdowns. Now, the college, the college season is a lot smaller than the NFL. And he did catch it out of the backfield too. But this guy's breakaway speed, his cuts, it, it was like he was his playing technical and, and the air he would take. I remember that. This guy was just an athlete, man. But, but that's what I remember. And then shout out. I, I think you were there, Yanko. And as a matter of fact, I was just making reference of this not too long ago. But uh, 2005, college national championship yes, game. One of the UAC ever. versus Texas. We were one of the at, greatest uh, games ever. We were at See track if you remember. One. We were at track one. We uh, so we witnessed we that, 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 that game was full of stars, man. Vince Young, Reggie Bush, Lindell White, White, Matt uh, Liner, Matt Liner. The, was everywhere, everywhere. It was back and forth, back and forth. So it was a great game, but I just wanted to mention that Reggie Bush to me was, there's been a lot of, of college players, but Reggie Bush, man, was a freak of nature um, that I saw. But who did, who did you witness? Go with, what comes about? I want to go with another running back. And that was Adrian Peterson when he played for the University of Oklahoma at OU. He was a monster. He was a man running against 
a voice. And to be completely yeah. honest, uh, and I've mentioned on this podcast before, he's one of the only guys I think could have easily transitioned from high school to the NFL. I mean, this guy, that guy's insane, man. He was a five-star recruit. I know Texas tried heavily to recruit him. As a matter of fact, Matt Brown referred to him as the recruit that got away. So as a true freshman in 2004, Adrian Peterson rushed for 1,925 yards and 15 touchdowns. All right. Finishing only second to Matt Leinert's career. And there's a little hesitancy because Matt Leinert didn't really do anything in the NFL. But hey, he won the high. He was a beast in college, he but he could he never won. translate that into the NFL. He, was, uh, he rushed over 2,000 yards in his final two seasons in the span of 18 games uh, before being selected by the Vikings in 07 at pick number seven. Peterson, yeah. wherever he left off running, it's like he would continue. He made linebackers, starting linebackers at both levels, but especially collegiate looked like ragdolls. I mean, this guy was trucking you. This guy was leaping over you. This guy was stiff arming you. This guy made OU, I think, relevant and started their relevancy. They had it. They kind of had it, right? There was a couple of, uh, there was, I think his name was Matthew White, one of their quarterbacks in the early 2000s. Sam Bradford was there. I mean, we're talking about guys that held their own at their respective position, but Adrian Peterson, the only reason why he didn't get more uh, glamour, more attention, was because there was a team on the other side of the Red River that was making a bigger splash. And that's, I, I have to mention him because you, you, you mentioned it. I, I have never seen till this day such a great environment, such a great back and forthness, if that's even the word, just overall game in college football since Vince Young led the Longhorns against USC. Now that's a that's a whole segment in itself. That game yeah. by itself. But Vince Young watching him play, man, that was yeah. that was amazing because he was keeping up. He was basically a one-man show against right. Matt Liner, Lendale White, and Reggie Bush. The the national championship was in the Rose Bowl, so which basically was a game for USC, a home game. Right. Because that's so, where you were simply. Yes. And his it's just put this in your in your mind. For his three-year career in Austin, Young was responsible for over 9,000 total offensive yards. 9,000 at the collegiate level. Had 81 touchdowns, putting him among the best, yep. if not the best, debatable at quarterback in college. Watching Vince Young, that was awesome, man. That was awesome. And I didn't go to a university. Usually people will like the team, the teams in regards to collegiate level based on their alma mater. Because I didn't go, Vince Young made me a Longhorn fan. Colt McCoy helped and other players who came through but Vince Young, Mac Brown, and the those Texas teams, amazing. Yeah, man, uh, Vince Young was 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 crazy. He he was a heck of a player, and it almost sucks that he didn't wasn't able to translate that uh, into the NFL. But uh, yeah, that that guy could ball out, man. 
it you know it, it goes back to system thing and and it kind of goes to show you too we've kind of talked about it too that a lot of times um college football success doesn't translate to the nfl and vince young was had had a couple of successful years with the tennessee titans led him to the playoffs but yeah that was a great game man that was a great game and and i think it was in a year where or it was in a transition year where there wasn't a lot of points usually scored in college football no. games uh, there wasn't a lot of there was offense, but but there wasn't that kind of offense like how it is right now. Because another game that I remember, and this has been uh, closer to this year, is the Deshaun Watson led Clemson uh, Tigers going up yeah. against Bama and that crazy defense back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It went, but how how has that changed? Right, how the dynamic of offense has changed from what we see now to how it was before. Right. How it was before, it was way different. So I, I truly believe that, man, that has to be one of the greatest college football national championship games ever. And I think that's what we all kind of wrap up, wrap our head and, and fell in love with with the Longhorns or at least rekindled. Right. Yeah. Uh, because that's yeah, well, so, that they, they, they let they they did get success uh, with uh, with Colt McCoy. But you remember he got banged up against, against, Alabama. against uh, Alabama and yeah, Texas was gone. That, that, that was it. I do have a notable mention. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Honorable mention. Brady Quinn and Notre Dame was really good too. He was. Oh, he Brady yeah. Quinn went against Matt Liner, and they had amazing games. USC and yeah. Notre Dame. No, th those were good. Brady Quinn was one of those guys that was projected to be a great quarterback. He was a great quarterback in college. Yeah. Just didn't transition to NFL. I think he had a little bit of a better uh, career. I would say than Matt Leiner. Vince Young right. had a better career in the NFL than both of those guys. Yeah. Ironically enough, both of those guys, both Matt and Brady are great college football analysts. Uh, they're doing their thing. Ironically, now. right? Yeah. They're doing their thing now. And something to mention, and you briefly touched on it. All of these guys that we said are the times that you and I started taking notice of college football, early two thousands into mid two thousands, right? Mm -hmm. Alabama was not there yet. Alabama nope. kind of took off once they beat Texas Colt McCoy uh, in the national championship. And I only think that they really uh, honestly beat them because they injured Colt in the game Correct. super early, super early. Yeah. And, uh, and Colt actually had a career in the NFL. Colt McCoy is still, I think in the NFL. He's still, yeah, he's a backup. A starter a couple of times, but a very solid backup indeed. So uh, crazy, honorable. crazy topic. Just, yeah, that's a good honorable mention, Nico. Uh, and, and just to highlight Matt Liner's career at USC at quarterback, bro, Bring he it. threw 10,693 yards, 99 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. His career, his, uh, his uh, career record was 37 and two Yanko. Woo. 37 and two and he only lost that one game against texas you know who had a so, great uh statistical number as well and never really heard much of him who kellen moore kellen moore the, the boise, boise state. state was like 50 and oh yeah but kellen didn't really translate over uh, no, there's, and that's a, it's a he's offensive coordinator yeah but so again we too. just kind of talked about a, a little different take right regarding college football and uh, you know i think some of us have have a, a certain fascination and love for it to a certain degree and we can respect right and and it's just kind of highlights or, or it gives us a different take in regard to to uh, football so yanko 
what where do we go from here bro look i think a lot of the times when you have collegiate players that are honorable mentions you're gonna have some guys that did great in college yeah but don't really translate over into the nfl and where right. we go from here is honorable mentions guys that we saw in the end and the collegiate rankings through our era and i'm going to say our era because that was i don't watch as much college football as i used to because i'm right. more into the nfl now but there's some guys that we may be talking about being this type of player great in college but mediocre in the nfl so i want to talk right. about seven players specifically that i think and along with br gridiron uh which is the bleacher reports a specific football page uh, on social media, seven NFL players entering a make it or break it season. Okay. These are guys that have been traded, maybe left, but came back, had a free agency, little faux pas and decided to stay or took a flyer and took a risk. Right. So I'm going to throw a couple of names at you, Josh, see where you think if they're going to make it or break, or break it. it, are they going to be a Matt Leinert, a Brady Quinn, or are they going to be more successful in that in the NFL career? The first guy I'm going to go with is a, a fellow USC alma mater guy, Sam Darnold in Carolina. A make That's it a or break player. it year. Wow. Does he? Do you think he makes it or breaks it? And just to refresh your memory and everyone who's listening, Sam Darnold was with the Jets, drafted by the Jets, traded to Carolina. They in turn got rid of Teddy, who was last year's starter, and brought Sam Donald in. If you're moving a guy that you got two seasons ago out, which was Teddy, to bring Sam, that means that you think highly of Sam. But do you think Sam will make it or break it? I think he is going to make it. Um, I think it was more of the situation that he was in in New York with Adam Gaze. Um, I consider that uh, the coaching staff of Carolina is better. The talent around uh, Carolina is better. But I do believe that it's a make it or break it. He cannot have a subpar season. Uh, I'm not going to go as far as saying a career year, which he's very capable of. But I think the supporting cast that he has at Carolina, uh, he's set up for success. He, he's definitely set up for success. Um, so he, uh, he, he, has a, he has a great running back. And we know that a quarterback's best friend is a great running running attack not only that but in an opportunity for you to dump it right out of the backfield so i think uh, uh he he's he's up for it and in regards to the division i think not necessarily that it's up for grabs but it's in a very transition year uh tampa bay is going to be tampa bay they're they're more than likely going to repeat as nfc south champs so this gives the opportunity for sam darnold to take that next step forward in his career cement himself it. as a starter and, and make this, you know, make this opportunity and take a take off and run with it. That's I like what it. I think. It I, I completely agree. I like it. <laughs> what do no, you got, Inko? It definitely helps. It definitely helps when you have a, a Christian McCaffrey. Now that, that'll yeah. definitely lighten the load for Sam. And it'll give him right. some time to ease into the offense. You have a, a, right. a coach that just came out of the collegiate ranks out of Baylor. Uh, he has one year under his belt in the NFL. So I think that him training for Sam, he must have recruited Sam, had some kind of uh, insight on Sam. And so that's why they brought Sam in. I think he's uh, he'll also make it, but he's not going to make it. Tom Brady make it. He's going to be more like Kirk Cousins make it-ish. And I was going to say, but yeah, that is true. Um, I wasn't going to say his name, but yeah, it's Matt Rule, right? He was out of Baylor. Yeah. 
Um, now he's a head coach at Carolina for year two, and we're waiting to see what what comes out of this uh, experiment in Carolina. Yes. So now you give me a player. You give me someone that you think make it or break it. So another player that is in that realm, Yinko, is uh, out of Pittsburgh. Okay. And his name happens to be Juju Smith-Schuster. Ah, Juju. Now, why Juju? Uh, me personally, uh, I have nothing against Juju. Obviously, I don't know the guy. Uh, but I think he's an odd, he's an odd dude, man. He's a very showboatish. He's doing it. I don't, just a quick side note, Ianko. I don't know if you caught this, uh, but, uh, Devin Bush, Devin Bush was a middle <laughs> linebacker at Pittsburgh was saying, right. That, uh, I don't know exactly the backstory, but he was saying that, uh, people who sign up for TikTok, um, I think it, something in regards to if he alluded to that, if you're, if you're a, an NFL player who's supposed to be a grown correct. man, mature, take and, and you're TikTok on TikTok is not about that. Nah. <laughs> and I think his, the response was, was it from Juju was from Chase from Chase. Right. So you've got two TikTokers as your number one and number two wide receiver, uh, make it or break it here. Definitely a year like, like that for Juju. Because Primarily he because went, of everything. He, yeah, went go and, ahead. he went and tested the waters. He went and tested yeah. the free agency waters. He went and tried mm -hmm. to try to go. And it, I thought it was weird that he came back to, to Pittsburgh, to be honest with you. Well, duly noted, I don't know if you recall, but rumor mill went away or, or came out that Casey actually uh, went in on it. They were giving him about a little bit more money than what he did at Pittsburgh. I think they were getting, giving him one more mill. But he felt compelled to go back and finish what he started. Juju is the guy, man, that he hasn't really lived up to the billing to a certain degree, right? Uh, ever since AB left, yeah, he hasn't been able to be that guy. He hasn't been you know, AB. Be, be, he hasn't exactly. He hasn't been able to be. And I mean, it's very hard, right? AB is a very talented wide receiver. And if there's something that Pittsburgh does great is drafting wide receivers: Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Heinz Ward, Antoine Randall L. Yep. The list goes on and on and on and on. So they draft really well. So make it or break it, man. Are you going to be that guy or what you going to do? I think he breaks it, man. I think he breaks it because I, there's a lot of mental instability, I think, in regards to maturity. He, athletically, he's there. I think Chase Capel becomes their number one. I don't think they let go of Juju, but I, I think he breaks in, the, in regards to not being able to fit the mold of the guy he was supposed to be. Right. And if he, he comes back to earth, kind of. Yeah. And if he stops dancing on some logos, <laughs> that would probably yeah. help. That would, would help. probably. What do you think? Make it or break it? Break it. I, break you know it. What? I, I think other receivers there in that in the wide receiver room excel. Yeah. So Claypool takes the next step. Deontay Johnson takes the next step. And Juju would be just the thing in the past and would be just another wide receiver that is going to be cast off such as Plaxico Burris in his time, Santonio oh. Holmes on his time, Anton Randall Allen on his time, all had very successful careers, but they weren't able, they weren't ever able to replicate that success of what they had in Pittsburgh. To mention that Najee is going to take some of the offensive attention away, right? right. They didn't have a running back before, so they had to concentrate on Juju and, and Claypool. So right. uh, in regards to, to that, I think it's a break it year also, not necessarily as his career, but the expectancy that Juju was to have. Let me throw one more right. at you, and then uh, let's see what you think. Cam Newton. 
and New England. Ooh. Cam Newton and New England. Make That's it another good one, bro. Or break it. Does Mac Jones surpass Cam? Or does Cam make himself a staple in the New England Patriots dynasty or community? First off, those are big shoes to fill because of Tom Terrific. Yep. And all the winning that he had. And <laughs> of all the years uh, that Tom had, he had, he, he, you know, you can't replicate that. You leave the team, you leave your ex, and you get somebody better. That's exactly what Tom did because he went to go get a, a, his seventh Super Bowl. And the Patriots couldn't even make the playoffs. Those are big shoes to fill. Um, I think if it's a make it, now is the time because New England completely, completely they went all uh, in. Added, added, they went all in. They have all their chips and table. And whether it be Cam or whether it be Mac Jones, the choice is up to you. But I say that it's more on Belichick, right, to produce. He's he's not going to be in the hot seat. But but I but I think uh, definitely ownership, right? Robert Kraft, kind of. Yep. Hey, dude. Look at what, what my boy is doing at Tampa. You, you got you to get your stuff rolling, right? So that in turn forced Belichick to do all these free agent acquisitions. And their intake, you have to expect that from Cam. So it has to be a make it year for Cam. Otherwise, where does he go from here? Now, I would say this about Cam. Last year what was, a, was a really odd year because of COVID. Yeah, uh, th- there wasn't that uh, familiarity that, that, you know, at a starting quarterback, you know, doesn't have that connection. He, he didn't practice with these guys. Uh, it was a new playbook. It was completely, completely different thing. And the thing that New England had going for him is they were about two games away from perhaps making playoffs because of Cam Wooden had fumbled at the Seattle game. I don't know if you remember, it was like week two, week three, the Sunday night football. Yes, yes. Uh, he was stopped at goal line. And then also he wouldn't have fumbled at Buffalo we would have had maybe a complete different story, yep. right? So it's crazy how there was a bunch of opt-out players from defense. Now they're coming back in and then add to all the free agents that were added. And we understand that you don't win nothing from dating anything at free agency, but it's just how everything has been addressed. You know that Bill Belichick's team is going to be a very well coached and disciplined on defense. You know, Josh McDaniels is taking the reins on that often. He's going to maximize your talent. It all points upwards, right? So I think that's why it's a make it year for Cam. I don't really think, although Mac Jones went to the ideal situation, I don't think Mac Jones is ready yet, um, especially that complex Josh McDaniels I, playbook. Yeah, I agree, dude. Mac Jones is, you know what's funny? A little bit of a tidbit for, for Mac Jones. Every big rookie that the Patriots get, they don't give them the number within their position, so they give them the number 50. So Mac Jones is 50 right now. Uh, in regards to the roster, because they don't, Belichick doesn't want to glorify uh, the fact that he was a first rounder. So every first rounder always gets right. the number fifty. I. What do you say? Can make it or break it? I will say he's gonna break it, man. I think it's. I think he's gonna break because the only way that he makes it is if he gets AFC championship, not wins it, gets it. There's a big reason why the Patriots picked up another quarterback. Cam is not the permanent solution. And even if he wins the AFC championship, even if he goes AFC championship or goes Super Bowl, 
I still don't think he's there for the next two or three years. Fact of the matter is, and I don't, I don't think this, this is definitely a, a, a topic that we could discuss on another pod. I don't think there's 32 guys in the NFL at that quarterback position that are better than Cam. I just think it's a lot of Cam's skill is figured out, is deteriorating, or he needs to be put in a system that plays to him, that they'll make the system mold him and not him have to fit a system. There's definitely not 64 guys better than him. 32, maybe. 64, not so much. I think he breaks, and I think he ends up as a backup with a little bit of a slice of humble pie this year uh, going towards uh, the end of the season with Cam. And I wouldn't be surprised if if Mac makes an appearance. If Max makes an appearance because he is the guy that's supposed to be, is the guy that is supposed to take the reins. The heir, the heir apparent. The heir apparent. No, man, I, I totally agree with you. It's it's uh it's it's definitely um it's definitely a, a lot of stuff. Um I just think not that I believe in Cam Newton's play, because I don't think that play has been very evident that that has never been able to be translated into the NFL. Although he had an MVP season and they made it to the Super Bowl that year and he's had a good career. He was a number one overall pick. He had a great college career at Auburn. Uh, but I think it's just all those years he got banged up, man. Um, he he's a baby. big guy. So I think his, he, he was always one of those dudes a lot perhaps like the NFL he's always the bigger, the faster, the stronger dude in, in the room. But now in the NFL is completely different, man. Athleticism is going to get you to a certain degree somewhere, but then all that beating is going to, is going to come back at you. Yep. And now he has to be not, I'm going to say the, 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 the pro typical, you know, drop back and throw pocket passer, but it's almost like he can't do that. You know, he, he always wants to like, take off and, and run and, and his that's throwing his mechanic, he had, like he had a huge, uh, yeah, he had a huge shoulder surgery that a lot of people said that he was never, uh, never recovered appropriately after that. But I just think the stars have a line for Cam to make something relevant out of this year. And he's going to make it. He's not, the, I completely agree with you. He's not the, the long-term answer for the Patriots at all. He's not, but I think he gives them the better opportunity of winning now, which I think in a way, Belichick and Josh have to do it now because of that goat South in True. Tampa Bay is and winning. They play them this year. It's going to be a great game. That's going to be a great game. game. To watch. Let's, 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 so, let's go one more. Give me one. Let's do it, Yanko. So another one, another one that, that has been mentioned in a make it or break it season under different circumstances is the quarterback over there in uh, New York, New York Giants, Mr. Daniel Jones. Make it or break it, Inko? I actually think highly of Daniel Jones. As a matter of fact, I think Daniel Jones... Before I say anything else, it's raining heavily over here, and we know this fascinating El Paso weather, what it does. So if the feed leaves or whatever, I'll try to reconnect as quick as I can, but just that's up. Got it. So Daniel Jones, nicknamed Danny Dimes, right? I actually, I like him. I really do. I think that he is being groomed to a position of success. I think the franchise is behind him. And I think he makes it. I think he makes it. And you know what helps? The division that he's in. He's not in a division that is going to completely annihilate him. 
He's in a division that does have strong defenses. I mean, the Washington football team is going to have a strong defense, but I think they're surrounding Daniel Jones and positioning him in a way that they want him to succeed, right? So one of the bigger signings was one of the bigger signings was uh, Kenny Galladay, right? right? He was injured last year. Kind of one of those guys that you didn't want to let go from your fantasy football team, but uh, would definitely question if he was on the waiver wire if you wanted to put there. But it's Daniel Jones. I think he's better than mediocre. I think they have a leader in him. I think that Daniel Jones can thrive this upcoming season and is, from what I understand, being mentored by Eli Manning. Eli Manning, by any means, wasn't this high-profile guy. Eli Manning wasn't necessarily uh, a guy that would bring a lot of glitz and glamour to New York, but he won Super Bowls. And he was very quiet about it. And against Tom, exactly, and Bill. He was successful, and he gave the Giants something that other quarterbacks couldn't. I think Daniel Jones has the opportunity to do that, and I think he makes it because he has a supporting cast, because his franchise backs him, because he's in a weak division, and I think they're going to be patient with him. Hopefully, he develops some chemistry with his uh, new free agent signees. He develops some chemistry now that he'll have a year with Saquon, now that he'll have a, a year of more of experience. And I think he makes it. I think Daniel Jones makes it and doesn't break it because let's look at how hard it is to get another quarterback in the NFL. Who's going to replace Daniel right now? Who's going to put the, are you, are you going to put Cam in there? Are you going to go draft another guy? No, I think Daniel Jones is the answer for New York. I think you just need to be patient and he makes it. I agree with you, Inko. Um, I, I I think the the most valid point that you mentioned, and all of them are good, but I think it's on the division that he plays in. Um, although I pencil the Cowboys to win the division, that division is very much up for grabs. Um, to me, the most talented defense or the most talented team on offense is the Cowboys. The most talented defense is the Washington football team. The Eagles are in disarray, and the Giants have uh, – have done something, quote unquote, they've gone all in because they've addressed some of their issues. They surrounded, um, you know, Daniel with success at offense and Saquon's coming back. And I got to say, man, a lot of the Giants games that you thought that the team was going to be blown up or should have been blown out of the field, they stayed. They stayed completely relevant. A very fine example that I remember is against Tampa Bay. They had Tampa Bay. Yeah. It was a Monday night game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but again, it's just the wheels fell off towards the end. You can tell that Joe Judge has, has those players playing at, at peak level. And I really do think that uh, this is a time for Daniel Jones to shine and, and, and to take quick. that next step. Yeah, and they don't call him Danny Dimes for nothing. And, and primarily, again, for what you said, the reason being, of course, um, the fact that they play in a very, very winnable division. And they brought up a, lot, a bunch of players back, um, you know, one of them, of course, being Leonard Williams, who yep. was an anchor on that defense. Yep. And, and he, had a, he had himself a really good year. And, you know, they, they've, addressed, they've addressed on offense, they addressed on defense. So I'm not to say that, you know, New York could be a dark horse, but 
in the division that they're playing, I definitely think that it's a, it's a make it uh, for, for the Giants. And they're going in the right direction, at least. Uh, they were in disarray for a little bit, but I definitely think that, that they're pacing at the right time. I concur um, with your concurration, and I like Haitian. Uh, I like it. There you go. Now, Yinko, this is my honorable mention, and oh. I don't want to be a homer here. Uh, but to me, this is a make it or break it for the coaching staff and for the GM. Everything, all the garbage that they've been feeding us. Yes, all the stuff that they've been talking about, drafting high-character guys. They clear out the locker room of those people that didn't want to be there. They have drafted high-attitude, high-class players. And now you got to show me. Show me what's going on. Um, unfortunately for the Raiders, they play in a division that is uh, pretty tough because you have Mr. Mahomes and Andy Reid at KC. You have Justin Herbert emerging as a superstar player and Denver can play defense. Let's face it. If the Broncos would have a competent, relevant quarterback, we would be, be having yeah. a completely different discussion. Yep. Um, so I think the Raiders have squandered a, a lot of talent away, but now, now it's make it or break it. What, what are you going to do? Right. Uh, you're in Vegas. Now you have a great facility. Uh, what are you going to do? I don't want to hear about no trading other first round picks, you know, the Khalil Mack who won that trade, the Amari Cooper, whatever. Now you, you have with what you have. They retool the offensive line again. They went younger. Uh, they're, you know, they retool the wide receivers. They're expecting a lot of things from Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, uh, you know, the rookie out of South Carolina last year. They got themselves another complimentary piece that with Josh Jacobs, you know, wouldn't be worn out in Kenyon Drake. They addressed issues on defense. They got themselves Yannick Ngakwe, which is, of course, not, not to Hopefully say that. Right. So, hey, you got to show me. You got to show me this year. For the fan base, for the NFL, every all the naysayers that they say John Gruden couldn't do it, this is the year to show it. I'm not going to say Super Bowl, no. I'm going to say remain competent in division, win yourself, try to win the division, but you have to make playoffs. Make that's it or it. break it. Playoffs. You have yeah, to make playoffs. I think that's the standard too. I, I can totally That's it. I'm tired. I'm tired, Yinko. But I just wanted to mention that. Um, uh, another I'll mention the, there. Uh, I'll mention the other uh, mentions here. Jameis Winston, if he's a starter in New Orleans, make it or break it. AJ Green and as wide receiver in Arizona, make it or break it. Leighton Van Der Esch linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys make it or break it and I'll I'll even throw in Jalen Smith make it or break it uh they went and got Micah Parsons right they got themselves another stud linebacker so so it is a make it or break it for land and I think uh Van Der Esch is up for for a contract uh his rookie his rookie year or his rookie deal yes is already set to expire and I'm not too sure if they picked up his option I think I want to say that they declined it because I they would have to pay did. top dollar. So he is going to come back to the Cowboys next year, but there's no fifth-year option. So that means that they either work out a deal or they let him walk. And now with Mika coming back or Mika being drafted, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sit well with Leighton. Not at so we'll all. So, And in regards to the Raiders, man, I, I think the exact same. I'm usually the more optimistic guy, but here I, I'm going to have to agree Uh what I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm still yeah, going to yeah, give cool, you my money this say. year, but make, let's, let's, let's see what's up. Let's see what's up. And right. I'm going to be uh, optimistic towards playoffs. We're not even asking for much. There's another seed. There's seven teams that can make the playoffs. 
be one of right. them. Be one of them. Yeah. That's so let's, all we got to say about that. Let's round out this podcast with some interesting uh, stats, and then we'll go to director's cut uh, to finish off. So stats of the week or stats that are a little mind-boggling are come with notable home field advantage factors according to uh, the up last season into this season, right? So, for example, if you're a home field advantage on a, an away team, third or fourth down conversion attempts, a random receiver will have an incorrect route when he lines up in pre-play. That's something that happens every time as an away team at a home. Uh, at, well, obviously, duh, they're not at home because they're the away team. So home field advantage point number one. Home field advantage point number two, that random portions of the play art of the away offense will be squiggly and hard to read. What does that mean? So when you're setting up and you're you're setting up your route tree or you're setting up who's going to run what, a lot of the times wide receivers don't necessarily project their communication well or get that communication. So they're going to run the wrong, wrong routes. And that goes in line with point number one. Point number three, offensive audibles made by the away team have a chance to fail. Do you want to guess why? Why, Yanko? Enlighten me. Because it's so loud. The 12th man, Chiefs kingdom. I really think that was an element that was missing in football. And, and just in sports venues in general. Correct. But that dynamic, of course, was super important in the NFL. Um and, and that maybe perhaps hindered a lot of the outcomes of these games. Yep. Yep. And the last and final point, home teams gains more momentum and away teams gain less. Away team fatigues faster and has a harder time changing direction. Changing direction, not necessarily as a player, but changing direction and flipping the script after halftime, right? Or at going the other way and picking that. So a lot of things that we tend to forget, and I brought those up, and you hit right on the dot, Josh. We're going back to a season where we're going to be regular again, where we're going to have fans of the stands, where there's going to be noise, where there's going to be disruptions, where it's not going to be empty and there aren't any restrictions. We're going back to normal, and I'm super stoked. I'm super excited. Let's go Raiders. Thanksgiving Day, we're going to be there. Let's go Raiders in Las Vegas. Let's make playoffs. I like it, Yanko. I like it very much. I like no, it. No, man, it's it's exciting. It's definitely exciting. Um, it, it's it's going to be a good year. Uh, it's a, certainly if you have the opportunity to make it out to a game. I know there's a lot of precautions being taken, but if you can make it out, great. It helps when you've been vaccinated. I'm not saying that's the cure, but definitely some sense of normalcy in sports um, is is welcome. And I think we we've all seen that. Um, the director's cut is pretty short. We've addressed most of the issues that we've had. Yanko, Pac-Man Jones being one of them. Pac-Man Whoa. Jones actually played cornerback, not running back. At least back. I, at least was I referring to Aaron another Jones. NFL player. Yes. Um, most of it was pretty clean. Um, semifinals for the Euros, just because uh, I completely went. I mentioned it, but I had a blonde moment. So it's uh, Italy versus Spain Ooh. and England versus Denmark. And Denmark being the Cinderella season to a certain degree because of what happened to one of their players, one of their starters. I don't know if you, if you caught Christian, that. Yanko. No, what was it? Yeah. The guy that who had a yes. cardiac arrest on the field, right? Erickson. Yes. So he's good. He's recovered while he was released from the hospital, but certainly is uh, giving um, Denmark uh, a sense of, you know, of pride and, and, you know, playfulness. Give so us your prediction, it's going to be good. 
Man, I I would say Italy and England. I'm sorry, Italy. Yeah, Italy and England. Um, Spain Italy has been England. subpar. Uh, Spain is not what it used to, and and Denmark can't surprise. But I think it's England's uh, England's turn, and I am taking the English over the Italians in the final. Who's the main player for England? Who's one of their stars? There's a bunch, man. England has a really good squad, but probably one of them would be Harry Kane. You okay. know who Harry Kane is. Um, I do. Raheem Sterling, Mason Mount. They have a bunch of young players, man, that are they're playing most mostly everybody's playing in the in the English league, in the Premier League, but they have a really good squad. And I think they kind of exercised the, the proverbial demons when they beat Germany. Once they beat Germany, they got over the hump and then everything kind of flowed. Um, and you were able to see England at its finest. But Italy, Italy is a, is has been playing great. So that was director's cut. Uh, great talking to you, Yanko. Great pod. Uh, definitely, we're uh, we'll await uh, Charlie next week. We've we are glad that you were able to uh, join us. Uh, you know, to listen to this podcast. Any concluding thoughts? Yeah. So as we continue to go, Josh, more fantasy tidbits, more fantasy, and eventually we're going to build fantasy up to when we actually draft. Right. Please right. send us any fantasy notes, any fantasy things that you want us to talk about, give you insight on, or something that you don't agree with. We're still waiting to see what your fantasy dish is, how you're, what you're going to chomp on uh, on draft day. And then ultimately, the return of Charlie. Don't hit Because I don't, like Carlos? I don't like it. He's not here. <laughs> I don't like it. We love you, Charlie. We hope you're you're back and ready to roll uh, next week. And it'll instead of being a uh, two amigo uh, slugfest, we will go back to our, our custom uh, three-headed monster of different opinions. And yeah, it was a good you know pod. To, you know who got? Who I forgot to mention in the top fifty. Yes. Mike Williams. Oh my God, Yanko. Deuces, guys. Yeah. I'll leave with that. Wow. Peace. Peace.